Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. Uh, if you've been following along with us, you know that we're going through the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, all the way through the book. And uh, I encourage you to stick with it, to go back and catch all the, the messages online. We've got them on video, we've got them on audio podcasts, iTunes, all that stuff for your convenience. They're out there on Facebook uh, and on our website and YouTube. So it's just everywhere. So you can jump online. There's no excuse for you not to catch up and to keep involved in what's going on. Uh, as we go into chapter 5, 6, and 7, we're going to be dealing with some sensitive topics. And so I'm glad it's not Family Sunday today because <laughs> we're going to be dealing with some interesting topics the next few weeks. And so I just give that little warning to you. Uh, I know you like to have kids in with you, and that's cool, and we embrace that. Uh, but just so you know, I'm going to do it tactfully, but we are dealing with some different issues as we get into 5, 6, and 7. And, uh, and here's the thing. The things we're going to be talking about in these chapters are a lot of the questions uh, have to do with marriage, have to do with sexuality, and have to do with a lot of questions that our culture is wrestling with right now at the time. The times we live in, the, the, the culture is wrestling with these same questions. Now, the Bible does not shy away from issues of marriage, issues of sex. The Bible does not shy away from issues of money or tough topics. And so since the Bible doesn't shy away from those things, we're not going to shy away from those things either. In fact, the best place that we could talk about the difficult topics in life are right here in the house of God with the Word of God right beside us. Amen? So we're going to talk about these things and wrestle with them from a perspective of Scripture. And, and there's a temptation to back off, but we're not going to back off. Now, I heard this quote this week that a pastor's job is not to make the Bible relevant. The pastor's job is to reveal how relevant the Bible actually is. Okay, so today I'm not going to make the Bible relevant for you today. I'm just simply going to unearth it as I've been studying this week and show you that the Bible is relevant. And it's more relevant than maybe what you understand, than maybe on the surface what you think when you think, oh, that's a long time ago, you know, 2,000 years ago. How can it be relevant today? I'm telling you, it's highly, extremely relevant. And so Paul plants this church in the city of Corinth. The city of Corinth was a, uh, it was a city full of sin. It was a city full of lust and materialism, and they had all of their struggles, and, and it's very similar to some of the things that we go through uh, today. But the church also that he planted, instead of after five years getting more mature, they'd actually taken a few steps back. And they thought of themselves as extremely mature. But Paul says, no, you guys are extremely immature. And that's why he writes the letter. And so a lot of this is, is to bring a lot of correction, even though there's a lot of encouragement with it. And so here's the deal. Enough of any introduction. There's a sex scandal going on in this church of Corinth. That's what's happening right here. And Paul's getting ready to deal with it. And so he, he has to deal with a very difficult subject. And we're going to wrestle with it today. Now, have you guys have ever heard that God loves the sinner but hates the sin? Anybody ever heard that before? God loves the sinner but hates the sin. As we read this passage uh, that may be tested in your mind a little bit. <laughs> that may be, you may wrestle. We may get a little uncomfortable with that statement. And here's why. Let's go ahead and let's jump in. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 
Verse 1, what I love about going through the books of the Bible like this and going through chapters is you don't get to skip over the tough parts. You have to deal with them. And so here we are. Here we are. Verse 1, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not even tolerated among pagans. For a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I'm present in spirit. And as if present, I've already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord." It kind of seems like God didn't like this sinner very much, right? <laughs> I mean, if you're looking at it on the surface, deliver him over to Satan, okay? That's pretty strong. How you guys feel like that's pretty strong? Paul's not messing around. God's not messing around with this topic. And so what was going on here, many scholars think that this man was sleeping with his father's second wife, his stepmother, essentially. Uh, no matter how you slice it, it wasn't appropriate and uh, it wasn't right for him to do because it was needed to be dealt with. And so here's what happens. As he was doing all of this, the church they weren't grieved by this. They weren't frustrated with this. They were celebrating it. They were saying, look how progressive of a church we are, that we can accept this guy and we can call this like, this is okay. This is great. Look how tolerant of a church that we are, that we can just have these people walk in holding hands, coming to church. And even though they're in this gross sin, that look, look how grace filled of a church we are. They were boasting about it. And Paul says, uh-uh, that's not right. There's something wrong when you are celebrating and, and patting yourself on the back about how tolerant and grace-filled and progressive of a church that you are to be able to accept this sin and not deal with it. He says, this is not right. They saw their ability to give grace and space somehow as if it were spiritual maturity. Like we've matured to this point where we can offer grace to this and we can just let this happen. Because, you know, society has, has matured to this point. Culture has evolved. Theology evolves. With I mean, the Bible was kind of out of date. And so we just let it revolve and it needs to speak to this culture. And look how uh, progressive and tolerant and grace-filled of a church we are. And they were celebrating it and they were arrogant about it. Now, this is a, something that we in our culture are wrestling with in many, many different ways as well. And so I think it's highly relevant. And it addresses these questions or asks these questions, how far is too far? How much uh, freedom do we really have in Christ uh, where are the lines? What is grace for? How much grace is there? Can anybody and everybody just show up at church? These are all these questions that get introduced in here that make us really uncomfortable with this chapter. And he, Paul says, even as corrupt as Corinth was, and believe me, they were corrupt. They had a thousand female uh, temple prostitutes at the temple of Aphrodite's that part of your temple worship was to have sex with one of the female prostitutes and call that worship. That was just common. In their society, it would have been anything goes with, in, in the areas of sex. It would have been any, any age, any gender, any type, any time. It was all acceptable. And Paul says, listen, even as corrupt as they are, you, what you're doing is even worse. It's like, I mean, the pagans would even say that's wrong. And so it was a really big deal what he's talking about here. And so they had let these issues come into this young church and the issues of the culture had come into the church. The issues of the world had come into the church. And now as a church, they said, look how progressive we are that we can say this is okay. 
And that's exactly what was happening in this young church. Now, Paul says there's some lines here. There's got to be some lines somewhere, right? And how many of you guys have ever gone on like an all-inclusive vacation? Anybody like an all-inclusive thing where it's like includes everything, like includes airfare and all this type of stuff. Uh, it's nice because you don't have to think about food. I mean, we've thought about, let's, what if we went on an all-inclusive thing? But I've got five kids, so I'd have to check the interest rates and just see, you know. Uh, we, we don't go on all-inclusive vacations. My family don't. We, we go on pay-as-you-go vacations, you know. And so my kids will ask, you know, well, you know can we pet the dolphins? Well, is it free? Um, no, we're not petting the dolphins, you know. Uh, peanut butter sandwich is great, you know. Uh, we, don't do all, we don't do all-inclusive. We do pay-as-you-go. And, and even in the all-inclusive, sometimes you've got the fine print that says, well, this is excluded and this is ex- excluded. What Paul is saying here is that the church is not, this is going to shock some people, that the church is not all-inclusive. That's what he's saying. He's saying the church is not all-inclusive. And there is some fine print. So what is the fine print? And so I'm going to answer, I'm going to ask some questions that get brought up in this chapter. And uh, how many of you guys read ahead this week when you were reading? Anybody read ahead? Were you guys praying for me this week? Okay, just making sure. Because um, there's some difficult topics. So here's the question, the first question that gets brought up. Is, any, is, the, is the, front door open, uh, the front door of the church open to anyone? Is the front door of the church open to anyone? Can anyone come into our church? Is it, is it open for anyone and everyone, no matter what sin, no matter what issue, no matter what lifestyle, no matter what past, is the church doors open to anyone? And the short answer is yes. The front door of our church is open to anyone and everyone. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what sin issue you have. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist, an agnostic. It doesn't matter what your issue. The door is wide open to anyone. If you're struggling in sin, the, the door is wide open to anyone who would come. That's the way Jesus, I mean, he, he opens the door for anyone who would come. And here's what Satan does. Satan loves to lie to us. And he loves to lie to us and he say, well, he'll say, you're dealing with this sin. And since you're dealing with this sin and you can't get out of this sin, that you don't belong in church. He'll lie to you and say that, that your sin is too bad, that your past is too heavy, that you, there's no way you can walk into the doors of that church. You don't belong there. I mean, how could you sit there like a hypocrite when you're struggling with sin, struggling with sin, and then go to church and then sit side by side with all the other people who seem to have it more together with you, than you? See, Satan loves to lie to you and tell you that church is not where you belong. But I'm telling you, that's a lie of the enemy. Because God's presence and God's people are exactly where you need to be if you're struggling with sin. Amen? Exactly where you need to be. I've had people come into my office and, con- and confess they've had an abortion or they've, they, they've uh, been struggling with certain areas and they're like, I-, I just don't even, how can I even be a Christian? And people just struggling with shame of being sexually abused. How can I fit in? People who are struggling with lust and they'll, they'll say, I-, I keep trying to white knuckle through this, but I just cannot do it. How, how can I be a Christ follower and sit in the, the chair and show up at church when I keep dealing over and over and over again with this sin? How can I show up to church? I mean, there's got to be something wrong with me. I've got to stay away from from church. Somebody's stuck in unforgiveness, and I know I should forgive. I know I should forgive, and I just can't forgive, and so how could I show up in church? I don't belong in church. That's the lie of the enemy, amen? Because the best place that you could be if you are struggling with sin, here's the message that, that we need to hear. You don't have to clean yourself up to come to Jesus, amen? 
You don't have to clean yourself up to come to Jesus. And you do not have to be perfect to be a Christian. Amen? Are you guys with me this morning? I'm just making sure if you're awake this morning. Because you don't, you don't have to clean yourself up. How many of you guys are thankful that you didn't have to clean yourself up? I mean, because, man, that's, that's hard for a fish to clean itself, right? And we didn't have to clean ourselves up to come to Jesus. You don't have to be perfect to be in the church, okay? And, and so that's not what Paul is talking about. If you have sinned, if you have a past, if you are struggling with sin, the very best place that you could be is sitting here with us this morning. This is the very best place that you could be. Our church ought to be filled with seasoned Christians, with Christians who are struggling in sin and with sinners in need of a Savior. Amen? All of us ought to be here, right? So that's, that's the message uh, that we need to understand. The front door of the church is wide open. Jesus is not ashamed to share his house with sinners. In fact, he'll fling the door wide open and say, come on in. Does that make anybody, is that good news for anybody? I mean, maybe that was good news at one point and then you forgot all about it and you just kind of settled in. But that's good news to somebody right here today who's been struggling with sin. So what is Paul talking about? What's he talking about? Is the, is the front door open to, to anyone who would come? The answer is yes. The short answer is yes. Okay, that leads us to a second question, though. Is there a back door of the church to get booted from? We call that the left foot of fellowship. Is there a back door to get booted from? And the short answer is yes. Why? Well, let's look at it. Here in, in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6, he says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Now, leaven was kind of like yeast, okay? Leaven was like yeast. And so a little yeast will affect the whole bunch. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are already unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. It seems kind of odd that all of a sudden he talks about the Passover, like right here in the middle of this. What, what is he talking about? Leaven and unleavened and Passover. Well, it goes all the way back to the Passover tradition that started about, it's been going on for like 3,000 years, right, at this point. And, and what happened was it was the people of, of Israel, the Israelites, they were being delivered out of slavery, out of Egypt, and Moses and the whole story of Moses leading them out. And they had to sacrifice a lamb and put the blood on the doorpost of their house so that the plague would pass over those who had the blood of the lamb over their house. A great picture of Jesus as the lamb, the perfect lamb that was sacrificed, that when we have the blood of the lamb over our lives, that, that we are found in Christ and he is our salvation. Now, as a part of this event, they were told, to bake bread, but not put yeast or leaven in the bread. And the purpose of this was so that they could leave in a hurry. So that they could add a drop, of, no, at, at just a, a, a last minute, they could just pick up everything that they had and run out the door. Instead of waiting for the yeast, how many of you guys have ever waited for the yeast to rise, the dough to rise? They said, you don't have time for that. So that's why, that represented the, the old lifestyle representing this idea that you can hang out in Egypt, which is a picture and type of the world. And when they said, make unleavened bread, you don't have time for leaven, get the leaven out and you can pick it up and run. Now, uh, they had to run in a hurry. Now, uh, it reminds me of the time a few years ago when uh, my wife and I, we, we basically on a Sunday afternoon, we just decided, let's go on vacation right now. Let's leave in one hour. 
I'm serious. We did this. One hour. One hour, we're going to leave. Start the clock. We're leaving right now. And so in one hour, we met the deadline. We were out the door, and we were on vacation, just dropping a hat. And so we were scrambling around. It looked like a scene out of Home Alone, only we didn't leave any kids behind. I mean, we were just running around like crazy. We got everybody in the car, and we just left. That's the picture I have in mind when I think about the Israelites scrambling around, grabbing their unleavened bread, their flat bread, and running out the door because they did not have time. They had to leave the leaven back in Egypt. They had to leave the leaven back in the world. And here we have this picture of the Passover. And Jesus was the ultimate culmination of the Passover event because he was the lamb that was slain and his blood was spilled out for us. And he became the culmination of the Passover event so that through him, we are now saved. And so that picture is fully painted. And Paul represents this here. And he says, listen, guys, leaven is of the world. And here's the, here's the truth about this. The point about all of this is that leaven takes over. If you add a little leaven to the loaf, it's eventually going to take over and affect the whole loaf. And you cannot let a worldly mindset take root in the church of God because eventually it's going to take over. And he says, you have to get the leaven out. You have to get the world's ways out. And so this brings up the issue of grace. Grace does not mean that anything goes. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is an empowerment to overcome sin. Grace is not just saying, hey, anything goes is fine as long as we have grace. You see, uh, God's, God has a way of doing things. And he says, here's one way. And here's the way it works. In this particular issue, God has a way. He's got a man and a woman in the covenant of marriage. He says, that's the only time sex is beautiful under the covenant of marriage with a man and a woman. Amen? Are we on the same page, church? Anything outside of that? adultery, fornication, homosexuality, all of those things are not God's design. I didn't make that up. That's what the Bible says, okay? And, and so that, that's, that's the fine print right there, you know? And we're not going to go and just pick on certain sins or all these type of things, but God does have a certain design. And so grace just doesn't cover anything. It means you can do anything you want, anytime you want, with anyone you want, and it'd be okay, and so it addresses these questions. Who can come to church? Well, the answer is everyone can come to church. The door's open. If you're struggling with sin, this is the best place for you. But that's not what Paul was addressing in the church. He was not addressing someone struggling with sin. He was addressing someone who had called their sin holy. Do you guys see the difference? Paul's not just kicking someone out of the church because they're struggling with sin. That's a misinterpretation of this scripture. Paul was not kicking people out of the church because if you're struggling, this is the place for you. If you're failing, this is the place for you. If you're succeeding, this is the place for you. If you don't even believe in Jesus, this is the place for you. We're, we're hoping you can get in the presence of God. But the moment you start to call sin holy is the moment you no longer represent Jesus Christ. And that's what was happening right here in this scripture. And so the door's open, but, you know, there's a difference between struggling with sin, lustful thoughts, you know, adulterous thoughts, all these things, and calling it sin. So years ago, I had, uh, this has happened multiple times, by the way, had people who'd come into the church and, like, living in sin, having relationships that aren't appropriate, and yet 
you know, struggling with that all their life, struggling with that all their life. Now, it's sad that they didn't overcome it all of their life, and they'd been struggling with it all their adult life. But that, again, that was not the issue. They had now called their relationship holy. So what are we to do as a church? Well, that's okay. Look how progressive and tolerant and, and accepting we are and grace-filled we are. What, do we do as a, what are we supposed to do as a church? Well, I'll tell you. No, you can't serve here. No, you can't represent the name of Jesus out in the community wearing a journey shirt. No, because you cannot call your sin holy and remain in the church. Now, you say, doesn't that sound unloving? I don't know. It sounds like the Bible. That's all I can tell you. That's, that's what it is. And if, you're, if you want to rise above the Bible and create your own rules, then you may be doing that same thing and calling your sin holy. And that's not what Paul says is acceptable. That's not honoring God. The moment you start calling your sin holy is the moment that there's the door. Is that unloving? I, I don't know. I just know it looks like the Bible. I just know that it looks like what Jesus would do. You say, well, Jesus, you know, that, that, let's get into that. Here, here's the third question I want to ask. Is it ever okay to judge? Is it ever okay to judge? If you go, one of the, the, the second, probably the second most famous verse that anyone out in the world knows, the first one would probably be John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world, you know, all, we all know that one, right? The second most famous verse in our culture today would be what? Judge not, lest you be judged. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. So whenever sin gets brought up and in our culture and all this stuff, you know, well, hey, don't judge my sin. You know, Jesus said, don't judge. Jesus said, don't judge. Is it ever okay to judge? Uh, you know, what we do then as Christians is we begin to boycott everything, right? So if some company or something doesn't act the way we think they should and they've got sin or they're supporting different things, then we, you know, we'll boycott JCPenney's, we'll boycott Target, we'll boycott Disney, we'll boycott Starbucks, we'll boycott Heinz Ketchup, we'll boycott whatever. Because now, listen, should we take a stand? Yes. Should we stand up for what we believe? Yes. Should we not contribute to different? I, I think the problem is we've made, just like protesting has become like a, 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 you know, a recreational habit for all of a, our society today. I think boycotting has become recreational for Christians. And we just boycott everything. We just boycott everything. Uh, I have uh, three dogs and a um, one of them's the stupid one. Yes, I do have the stupid one still. And uh, love him to death, but he's a stupid dog. And he found his place on the farm because he just patrols around all the boundaries. And he just keeps roaming around. And so it's great for self-defense, you know, and alarm uh, system. And, uh, and so he's just got too much energy. And so he just runs around all the time. And so we found a use for him, and it's good. And we, we all of a sudden stumbled across this second use for him. You see, when we used to go out on our deck, we would open up the door, and the wasps would build all sorts of nests right outside our, our deck door. And so we'd walk out and get dive bombed by wasps as you're trying to grill hamburgers or whatever. Well, for whatever reason, this dog just started to attack the wasps. I mean, he would just run and he'll just, just be attacking the wasps. He'll be eating, he will eat the wasps. I mean, he'll just jump on them. He'll jump on the walls. He'll run, he'll dart back and forth. It's amazing. Even so to the point where we just say wasp, 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 and he'll just get up and start looking around and just start jumping. And he'll eat the wasps. I'm serious. I'm serious. It's really the way it is. I'll video it and throw it on Facebook if you don't believe me. Um, 
And so he'll do that. And it's even to the point where we, all we have to do, if you just want to have fun with it, all you got to do is say, wasp, wasp, wasp. And he'll be just jumping around, looking around. There's no wasp. But he'll be jumping around like crazy, diving into walls. It's great. That's a picture to me. I know my brain works weird. That's a picture to me of how we look sometimes as Christians in the world. Sin, 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 sin. Trying to protect ourselves from dangerous things. It doesn't even matter if there's a dangerous thing or not. We're just sin, 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 sin. Jumping all over the place. And so it's caused a reaction in popular culture to say, do not judge. Jesus said, don't judge. So is it okay to judge? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, it says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. What's going on here is that Paul wrote a previous letter that was lost where he had already addressed a lot of these issues, okay? Uh, He says, I wrote to you not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy or the swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. Is it okay to judge? The answer is, it depends on who you're talking to. See, Paul says, I told you not to hang out with all these sinners. He said, I didn't mean people in the world, because if you were trying to avoid sinners in the world, you'd have to eject yourself from this world entirely, because you're not going to go somewhere where there's not sinners. He said, what I was talking about was that in the church. See, is it okay to judge? Well, it depends on who you're talking to because here's the deal. Sinners sin. Shocking, right? I mean, sinners sin. They're going to sin. Why would we expect the world to live like Christ when they don't know him? And yet that's what we look like when we're boycotting everything and wasp, wasp, wasp. We're just trying to tell the world to stop sinning. Now, let me ask you a question. If the world, and I mean the unsaved world, if they stopped If they sinned less, would they be any closer to Christ? May shock you, but no. They will not be any closer to Christ. You see, we're trying to get the world to stop sinning instead of introducing them to the Savior. See, we're judging the wrong people. And Paul says, listen, I'm not telling you, you cannot be judging the world. That's not what I'm talking about. Of course, sinners are going to sin. It's not about morality. And let me put it another way. If we see people in poverty, and listen, I've been in in places across the world where people are in extreme poverty, okay? Uh, I've been in dumps in Mexico where children and families live in the dumps and they're waiting for the next pickup load of trash to come in to try to find food. And the stench is unbelievably horrible. We've got people who've been to Ethiopia and different places that have seen uh, unbelievable poverty. Now, Let me put it another way. If we go to someone who's in poverty, do we point at them and say, stupid, look how poor you are. Get out of your poverty. Like, look how poor, look at, let me tell you all the reasons why you're poor. Do we do that with those in poverty? No, we don't do that. What do we do? We offer hope. We lift them up. We hopefully lift them out. But most importantly, we try to introduce them to Jesus. Why don't we do the same thing with those who are out in the world? Instead, we want to cast rocks and throw stones at people who are obviously going to sin because they don't know Jesus. And so Paul says, I wasn't talking about not hanging out with the world. In fact, we probably need to hang out with the world a lot more, right? I mean, that's, that's really, it, to the world, we're to be salt and light, not doom and gloom, amen? 
Isn't, isn't that right? I mean, we're to be salt and light, not doom and gloom. And yet we've got it twisted in, in today's culture many times. We've got it twisted. We're all doom and gloom to the world instead of salt and light. So who was Jesus hanging out with? Sure, he had his 12, he had his church, he had his crew, but he spent most of his time hanging out with, with people like the woman at the well who'd been around the block a few times with, with several guys. He'd spent time with the prostitute who uh, was worshiping at his feet, okay? He spent time with tax collectors like Matthew and Zacchaeus who nobody liked, everybody hated. These were all notorious sinners, and that's who Jesus uh, came for. Why, why did Jesus come? Listen, Jesus, this may surprise you, but Jesus, it shouldn't surprise us, but Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. He came not, not for the healthy, but for the sick. Jesus didn't even come to bring revival. He came to save the lost and not just, not just making someone economically better, but changing their eternal destiny. Amen. That's why he came. He came to, to do that. And, and so that's why Jesus came. And so what are we to be in the world? Are we supposed to be doom and gloom and judging and pointing out their sin? No, the Bible gives us a different answer. In Matthew chapter 13, we'll just, this is the only verse we're not going to 1 Corinthians, but here it is in verse 33. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Now, Paul just used leaven in a bad sense, right? He said, get the leaven out. But here, Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven like leaven. So what is going on here? The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Remember, leaven affects the whole. What are we supposed to be to the world? Not doom and gloom. We're supposed to be like kingdom of heaven leaven that gets planted into the world and becomes a light that begins to grow all throughout. Not throwing rocks, but simply being leavened that begins to expand the kingdom of God. So in the church, we're to get worldly leaven out of the church, and in the world, we're to get kingdom leaven into the world. That's what we're supposed to do. Because leaven takes over, and leaven grows. Is it okay to judge? Well, here we go. Let's finish it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother, if he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or swindler, not to even eat with such a one. Whew. Again, he's not talking here about someone struggling in sin. He's talking about someone who has now called their sin okay and holy against what the word of God says. And he says, if you got somebody in their midst, you're not gonna be so mature to say, hey, look at this. We're just gonna accept this. He says, nope. Don't even hang out with those people. This may shock some of you, but the church is not all-inclusive. And that's not unloving. In fact, we're going to find out that that's actually really loving here in just a second. Uh, because in the midst of all of this, God's heart is still for people. His heart is so much for this person who's called their sin holy that he's willing to allow in, the, in his mercy to allow them to go through something very difficult and to be challenged and confronted, not in their comfort, but in, their, in his mercy, he has allowed their sin to be exposed. And listen, God, sometimes in his mercy, listen, in his mercy will allow you to have to confront that which is wrong in you. He'll have to put you in elaborate situations so that you will actually wake up and deal with your hard heart. So here it is. You, you say, well, well, Jesus was confronting and controversial though, right? I mean, we heard so many times Jesus confronted. Well, listen, Jesus would have boycotted, right? I mean, he would have, no, I don't believe he would have. 
I, I got nothing against that, by the way. I'm, I'm just picking on that one just because it's easy. But Jesus did say some controversial things. He had some controversial statements. He said, if you're angry, it's the same as killing somebody. He said, if you're lustful, it's the same as committing the act. He told people to forget about the funeral of your father and follow me. He said, he ignored his mother and his brothers when they came looking for him. He called people wicked and adulterous for, a, for seeking a sign. He calls one of his followers Satan to his face. He calls people faithless and perverse. He makes a whip, overturns tables, running people out of church. He called the religious leaders out for wanting the best seats in church for saying pr fake prayers. And he said, listen, any converts that you have, you're making them twice the son of hell as yourselves. Jesus said some pretty strong things. He called them blind. He called them full of dead, men bo dead men's bones. He says, you have to hate your father and mother to follow me. Jesus said some controversial things. But pay attention to who he said those things to. Jesus didn't say those to the world. Jesus said it to the church. See, if anybody needs to be judged, it's not the world for their sin. Of course, they're going to be in sin. It's, it's right here in our own house. And that's not a message of condemnation. It's a message of conviction. Let's continue. It says, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside, purge the evil person from among you. Listen, here, here's what's, what's going on. There is a back door from which you can get booted out of the church. There's one person, one kind of person that can get kicked out of church. It's not the person struggling in sin. It's not the person who doesn't know Jesus. It's not the person who, who's, who's fallen down and is struggling getting back up. It's the person who's called their sin holy. And the Bible says that's not acceptable. Now that may be a hard word to hear, okay? That may be like, ah, how, how can we, is that true? Is that right? Yes, it's absolutely right. It's absolutely true. In the world, we're, we're, we're to be leaven of the kingdom. In the church, we're to keep the leaven of the world out. And I know a lot of that has to do with leaders. What, that, what does that mean? That means if you're struggling in sin, we're going to open up our doors wide to you, and we're going to have our arms open wide. But listen, if you come in and, and you say, hey, I'm living in sin, but I, you may not, you say, no, I don't even have sin in my life, and you're living in blatant sin against the word of God, and you want to put on a journey shirt and put on a Jesus shirt and walk out the doors, we'll say, let's have a meeting this isn't the place for you. And, and here's what happened. Praise God for good news, amen? Because you say, how is this good news? I'm telling you there's good news. If you haven't heard the first two-thirds of what happens where you can have anybody come into the church and you can have struggle with your sin and, and, and God's grace is there, that's good news. But here, here's some more good news. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11, if you fast forward, what happened is they did kick the guy out of the church. They kicked this guy out of church and said, you can't come anymore. And what happened later on is evidently he repented. And Paul says, welcome him back. And here's the good news. There's always an open door for repentance. There's always an open door. You can't sin too much. Even if you go to the point of calling your sin holy, there's always Right, Jesus is right there to say, hey, you want to repent? Here's, come back. Come back in. There's always an open door for repentance. And I know this is a challenging message. Listen, I didn't write the Bible. I just am preaching the Bible, okay? <laughs> this is just where we're at, okay? But here's the deal. Your responsibility right now is not to throw rocks at the world. 
is to ask yourself the question, is there any leaven in my house? You know, we start with God's house and we say, is there any of the world's leaven in my house where I've called evil good? Or I've called sin holy? Maybe take it into your own home. Is there any leaven in my own home where I've allowed worldly leaven to come into my home? Because it starts off as a small thing, but it begins to grow and take over. You see, our responsibility is to get the leaven out. And then take it down to your heart. Is there any leaven of the world in my heart that I've allowed to stay there because I'm now calling it holy? Because I like it? Because it's comfortable? Or is it time to get the leaven out? Would you guys stand up with me as we close? And I just want you just to bow your heads and close your eyes and just ask the Holy Spirit. I, believe me, my heart is not to make this a message of condemnation, but I do believe there's appropriate place for conviction from the Holy Spirit that leads us to repentance. And, and, and I want you to hear that it's the goodness of God in the midst of all of this. And even though there's a struggle, it's still the goodness of God that allows us to be confronted with things in our life that are going to continue to kill us and lead us to death rather than leading us to life. And in his mercy and his goodness, he allows us to come face to face with those things, not for the purpose of condemnation, but for the purpose of repentance. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just take just a moment and ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything in my life? Is there any leaven from the world in my life? You know, your job is not to judge the world. My job is not to judge the world. My job is to be a light, salt and light in the world. But in my own house, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to shed some light on the areas of leaven in my heart. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much that you love us so much that you're not going to leave us stuck in dead things or leave us stuck in sin. Lord, we thank you so much that no matter how far we stray, no matter how much we struggle, no matter how uh, painful we've made our lives, that you're right there turning the doorknob of repentance as, as we can walk right through that door of repentance, that you're right there, arms open wide. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and grace that you died on the cross, that you were that perfect lamb, that lamb that was sacrificed. You, your blood was spilled out for us on the cross and it washed away all of our sins. It paid the price for us to be able to have access to walk through that door of repentance. Lord, we thank you so much for that, that you rose from the dead, that you offer eternal life. And Lord, I pray for anyone here that's struggling in sin. I bind any lie of the enemy that would say, because I'm struggling in sin, I don't belong. Lord, I, I bind that lie right now. This is the exact place where you need to be. Lord, I, I pray for conviction for those who've called their sin holy. Lord, break open the hard hearts and, and bring us back to repentance. Lord, we thank you. We trust you with that. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship one more time. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information about Journey Church or to browse our media library, visit us online at journeykc.com.